Good morning, everyone. Do you believe it was 72 degrees yesterday? How many of you felt the nice warmth yesterday? Am I the only one? It was awesome. So TJ and I are the only ones. That's great. It was awesome here in November. And uh, I was told, I don't know if this is true or not, but we've gotten three inches of rain in the last week. That's kind of wild. Anyway, welcome to Oregon. It's great to have you. I'm going to do some words of encouragement this morning, and then uh, we're going to jump right in. Oh, great, more. But wait, there's more. So here we go. Tanya, I am so thankful for your text of encouragement during the last couple weeks. I greatly appreciate them. Keep it up and building the hearts of others. That's you. You look shocked. I did? Logan. 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 <laughs> I can't hold on to stuff. Great prayer meditation this morning. Our focus really does need to be on things above. Amen? All right. There's millions of distractions in this world, and we need to focus. Winningham family, so blessed and love to see you all here and well. It's great. Yeah, finally. All right. Mrs. Parks, it's always nice to see you. It is such a joy to talk to you. I so appreciate you. And what about this one, Mrs. Fraid? Seeing your smiling face just absolutely makes my day better. I love your encouraging attitude. Can I get an amen on that one? If you don't know Angie, she is amazing. Amen. There you go. Tony W., it's so nice to see your beautiful smile this morning. There it is right there. Woohoo! I love that one. All right, Penny, so great to see you and your smiling family and assembly today. You all add so much joy to the room. Amen. Amen. And uh, Audrey's smile just knocks me out. That's great. Okay. Miss Desi, I like it when you help us in Bible class from Max. All right. There you go. Jeff Sharon. Too bad Jeff Sharon's not here. He's been getting them a lot. Just thank you for your work on the box, meaning this thing. <laughs> thank you for your work on the box as well as your fellowship. If you haven't noticed, the box is getting looking better and better. He's out here almost every day. So, Jeff D, you are a choice. Choice. You are a choice of encouragement. Now, that was me, not the writer of this thing. I'd also say I love you because. You're a builder of the Lord's church as well, but it's the spiritual one, so. All right. Benoyan family, if you're watching, hopefully all the way there in, uh, uh, what is it? It's not a craw, that's in Africa. It's uh, Kerala, thank you, Kerala, India. All right, Benoyan family, thank you for watching and building the body of Christ. You get me excited when you preach, it's great. All right, Mr. Kirkpatrick. Thank you for speaking the word of God, Braxton. All right. That was great. All right, right here. This is for Mr. Do you know Mr. Kirkpatrick? He's right up front, right up there. So there he is right there. <laughs> Put up with you. All right. Oh, I have a clipboard here. It's dangerous. Cleaning the building. We are not going to have a Thanksgiving dinner like we normally do. We've decided to do it for Christmas. So we're going to have a Christmas dinner. And uh, someone suggested that we do white elephant gifts. Now, I don't know what a white elephant gift is, but somebody did. What are you looking like that, my love? Well, I thought you were looking like I wasn't knew what I was talking about. Anyway, so we're going to have a Christmas dinner on the 15th. Wednesday evening, the 15th, right out here. We're going to have a Christmas dinner with the turkey and the ham and all the fixings. And uh, you can bring a white elephant gift. Anybody not know what a white elephant gift is? If you don't, talk with Mrs. Compton. She will enlighten you. There you go. That's December 15th. Right? Did I say December 15th? You didn't say a month, so I'm... Yeah, December 15th. <laughs> December 15th. Yes. Not January 15th. All right. Let's see what we got here. Evening, evening assembly is at the Kirkpatrick's. Wednesday assembly is at the Kirkpatrick's. Uh, Thursday's ladies' study is at the parks, right? Yes. Yes. We are not. We are not. And 
Monday night Bible study is on, and we're going to continue proving that the New Testament is, in fact, the Word of God through hostile witnesses. So we've been working on that, so that's pretty exciting. And let's see, Tony Weber's got a birthday coming up this week. Today. 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 Tony Weber's got a birthday today. You are not going to say a word. You are just stone-faced right there. It's like, what are you talking about? You almost fooled me. TJ, not today, but the 17th. TJ, how old are you? Like, uh... 40. I was going to say 36, split the difference, man. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not 40 years old. You are? Well, not yet. Well, not yet, yeah. You look 36, man. You act 36. You are 36, right? All right, man. It's great to see you this morning. It's awesome. Okay, anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? Tyler, when's your birthday? Okay, we got a while. Brittany, how about you? Hey, there you go. Right around the corner. All right. Vinamins, did you just have a birthday? You probably have a birthday every every month of the year, probably, right? Josh. 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 When was your birthday? Monday? Oh, the 8th. Okay. How old are you, Josh? 12 years old, man. That's a great time to be alive. 12 years old. I could tell you stories about 12 years old, but your mom wouldn't want me to. So, there you go. It's great to be alive at 12 years old. Let's sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Uh, you know, my dad used to spank me in the morning because he knew what I was going to do during the day. That's the kind of 12-year-old I was. I know you're not that guy. Okay, it's good. All right, Mom. Sorry, I just slipped out, Mom. Sorry. All right, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of James in chapter 5. James chapter 5. We're going to do a little tiny bit of review here in James chapter 5. Hopefully you got your note sheets out. There's lots of great things to to uh, jot down just words and thoughts. Uh, we're going to try to put ourselves into the life of Job this morning. And I know that's probably impossible based upon what we're about to read. But in the book of James in chapter 5, please note verse 10 and 11. Notice it says, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, literally endurance, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. You know, I went back, I've been reading through the Old Testament, I've read through Job several times, but I went back to prepare for this morning's lesson and there's some pretty amazing things about the man Job that we need to understand because that's the kind of man, the kind of woman that we need to be to go through some of the, the horrific things that Job went through. It says he was an example for us. In other words, if he could do it, we can do it. Now, a lot of people don't believe that, but the reality is, is that because he was a man of faith, we need to see how he did it. And we are men and women of faith, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. That's why it says always to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but we can look at men in the Old Testament, women in the Old Testament that were faithful and did amazing things without the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that we would see that this morning. I do want to now go and take a look at the first couple chapters of Job. And I, it's a little bit of a lengthy read, but please listen about this man's life and his character. It's really quite astonishing. And I want you to think about as we read, what if this actually happened to you? What if this happened to you? Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 
500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. I'm just guessing that might have been their birthday. And they would send and invite their three uh, sisters uh, to eat and drink with them. When the days of the feasting had completed their cycle, uh, Job would send and consecrate them, raise, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus God did, or Job did continually. Job was concerned about people that might be cursing God. And obviously he's a man that would refuse to do that. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, God Almighty, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Put but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he'll surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now on that day, when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were, were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sebans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came into my mother's, from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I want to stop right there before we finish reading. How many of you could say that? I mean, honestly, come on, be honest. I don't think I could say that at this point in time. I mean, if you lost everything, <laughs> except for Job's case, his wretched wife, which said, curse God and die. Okay, sorry about that, Job's wife, but you said it, so own it. Okay. Man, he lost everything. The only thing he had was his health. But he lost everything. And he said, you know, I came into this world with nothing, and I know I'm going to depart this world with nothing. Praise God. You're saying, that guy's a callous guy. Well, were you listening to Brother Logan this morning? Where's our focus need to be? What would you say? Focus on the world and the stuff in the world or focus on God? Focus on God. You see, I believe that Job was deeply moved in his heart because of the loss of his children, and yet he recognized that they were a gift from God. Those children were on loan from God, and he was called to raise them up as a godly offspring, but he also knew that God owned their souls. Grieved, and yet he knew God's will. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where are you come from? And Satan answered, the Lord said, from roaming on the earth, walking around on it, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? 
For there's no one like him on the earth, blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and, and he'll curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, smote God, Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head and he took a pot sheared, which is a broken piece of pottery and he scraped himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. For he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard that all this adversity had come upon him, they came each one of them to his own place, Eliphaz of uh, Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and to comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept, and each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw his pain was very, very great. Now, I did that because I wanted you to understand just how horrible it was. You lose everything in your life, and then you lose your health. And how many of you would continue to remain faithful? I'm just asking. It's hard for us to put ourselves into this man's shoes. But I know there are some brethren in this, in this audience that have lost their jobs and they had a family they needed to take care of and their wives did not tell them to curse God and die, praise the Lord. Their wives there were supporting them and encouraging and then helping them. And the kids hardly even knew that anything really horrific had happened to them. And they remained faithful and God richly blessed them. You see, we need to recognize and understand that it is possible to lose your income, to lose your livelihood, to lose your stuff, and to lose your health. Mr. Drillinger tells of a story, and I'll let him tell it someday where he lost pretty much everything. And look at the rich blessing that we have as a dear brother in Christ, his lovely bride Carrie, sweet sister, an amazing son, and now daughter-in-law. We have another wonderful daughter and son-in-law. Amazing. But you talk with Jeff and there was a time in his life where he lost everything and he stayed the course and it was good that there were a couple good men in his life my father-in-law was one of them who encouraged him at that horrible horrific time in his life and I think if it weren't for my father-in-law it would have been a lot more difficult you see it's important for us to recognize that these kinds of things can happen to us but we need to understand how Job was able to make it through. And some of you might say, well, how dare God do that? Well, I'll tell you, God wasn't daring or gambling anything. He knew this man, Job, and he knew his character, and then he knew he was rock solid. You know, if you understand how God works, if there are great challenges in your life, it's because he knows that you can handle it, and you need to understand that you can handle it. God knows you can handle it. He knows what's in you, but you have to make the choice. Jeff made the choice. Kirk made the choice. Scott made the choice. There are others in this audience who have made choices like that. Not giving up, though the world was falling down around them. So important for us to recognize and understand that this is not a fairy tale. This did happen, and it could happen to us and it has happened in part to some of us. 
But what was the difference here? Job's character. God didn't say, well, just go down there and pick any one of the Israelites and see how it works. We'll see. I sure hope they were listening during the synagogue lessons. That's not how it is. God knew this guy. And so I want to take a look really quickly. You know, the book of Ezekiel chapter 14, point number one, point number one, Job's amazing character comparison. I mean, I would love to be compared to these two guys that Job was compared to. Look at uh, Ecclesiastes for time's sake. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 14 and verse 20. Ecclesiastes chapter 14 and verse 20. Um, Ecclesiastes, Ezekiel, sorry about that. Ezekiel uh, chapter 14 and verse 20. I need to learn to read my own writing. Verse 20. In fact, we might want to pick it up in verse 19. If I should send a plague against that country and pour out my wrath and blood on it and cut off man and beast from it, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, as I live, now this is God speaking, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would be delivered only themselves by their righteousness. Noah was a righteous preacher of God. Daniel was an amazing, righteous man living in such a perverse, godless culture. And he was even a government official, believe it or not. I won't compare him to any of the ones we got today. I don't want to go political on you, but that guy lived it right. So much so that the pagan king Darius was deeply concerned, having kept the decree that he wrote, not knowing that it was designed by evil uh, men in civil government to kill Daniel. When he threw him into the lion's den, Darius did not want to do it. And Darius, a godless man, prayed to God Almighty that he would keep him from harm. And angels were sent. And they shut the mouths of the lions. And when Darius came to the lion's den, he said, oh, Daniel, has your God been able to save you? And Daniel said, yep. He sent angels to close the mouths of the lions. Now you're not at fault. And when he brought him up, Daniel, that great righteous man, was protected by God. Brethren, we need to recognize and understand that Noah was a, a man defined by the scriptures. Go back to Genesis in chapter 6. Noah was a good man. Very few men in the Bible are called good men. Barnabas was called a good man in the New Testament. Noah was called a good man in the Old Testament. There were very few that God allowed their name to be attached to the character quality of good. Job was a good man. Noah was a good man. Noah was blameless according to the scriptures. Noah walked with God uh, being obedient. You know what? That phrase, walk with God, we've talked about this before. That means as he saw God walk, so he walked too. Doesn't the scripture say, you be imitators of me as I am of Christ Jesus? We should walk in the footsteps, the very words, the very actions of Christ. That's what we're called to. That's who Noah was. By the way, that's who Daniel was. You go back, I gave you some scriptures there. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, chapter 6 and verse 3, chapter 6, verse 10, chapter 6, verse 16 through 22. Those will blow you away, the man that Daniel was. He was such a good man that all the civil servants that were his equals wanted to kill him because those pagan kings saw that he was a man of integrity and that he should be placed into power because he would do what he was called to do for that citizenry and for that civilization. Powerful man, Daniel was. Powerful man, Job was. When God said, hey, have you considered Job? Now that word considered is rather interesting. I want you to consider Job. Just like God told Satan to consider Job. I want you to consider Job for just a minute. You know that word consider there? Go back and take a look at that. In the book of Job, twice God says that 
to the devil. Now, consider Job. Now, again, I'm telling you that God never would have named Job if he didn't know that this guy had what it took. Now, I kind of wonder when the temptation trials and difficulties come in your life in the future, as we know they will, they always do, how are you going to operate? Notice what it says here in verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Wouldn't it be great if God said that to you? Hey, so uh, you know what? You're kind of kind of looking for something to do. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a guy named Bill. Wouldn't it be great if God in front of the angels said, there's a guy named Bill. There's a guy named Scott. There's a young lady by the name of Grace. Wouldn't it be great if God said that and then he said, you know what? There's no one like her. There's no one like him. Blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. And I love what he says there in in, uh, chapter 2 and verse 3. Have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth. Blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. And he still holds fast to his integrity, although you've trashed everything he had. Wouldn't it be great if God made that statement in front of the angels? Can I share something with you right now before I go on? There's going to be a day, brethren, if you remain faithful. God will call you forth, just you and him. It says it in the book of Revelation. God will call you forth, just you and King Jesus, Judge Jesus. And he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. But there's more. You're going to receive rewards based upon your faithfulness on earth. No, I would love to hear. He was blameless. A man of integrity. Feared God. Refused evil. Therefore, he is my son, and forever he will be with me. God is going to say that to those who are faithful like Job. So I don't know what the future holds for me. But I can choose that if I remain faithful. So, brethren, I want to take a look at point number two, the poster child of endurance. (laughs) I know that's kind of humorous, but really notice he names Job and he had all the other prophets as a possible candidate to name as one who endures And yet you take a look at Job. And I want to go quickly back to James chapter 5. And then we'll come back to Job. But James chapter 5. There's a couple things there that I really did not get into much uh, last week. But you know what? It's rather interesting. In this verse 10 and 11, speaking of endurance, he says, As an example, brethren, of suffering and endurance, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. Now, you've heard of the endurance. That word endurance of Job is what I want to look at. That word endurance, there's a place there if you want to jot a few notes. That word endurance is to undergo and bear with great fortitude. I don't know about you. I don't know very many men with fortitude. I don't know very many women with fortitude. A fortitude is, you know what? I'm doing the right thing, and I don't care if the whole world is opposed. I'm going to do the right thing. Daniel was one of those guys. Noah? Hello? Noah was one of those guys. Nobody got in the boat except for his family. Everybody else thought he was a kook, you know, messed up, insane guy. But he kept preaching, get in the boat, for this is God's salvation. And they all laughed. And then when the flood came, they weren't laughing anymore, were they? There's a day of judgment of fire. And when that day comes, it says there's going to be two groups of people. Some running to hide under the rocks, like that's going to help. Because the fire is going to vaporize the world. Go back and take a look at 2 Peter chapter 3. The word vaporize, by the way, is in there. The word melt means to melt into its minutest particular part. That's called vaporize. We need to recognize and understand, brethren, there's another judgment. Job endured and he passed through it. Noah endured and he passed through it. Daniel endured and has a name to this day. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be like them. You see, to undergo and bear with great fortitude and perseverance, terrible trials and persecutions, we might lose it all. You know, others have had that happen to them before. Other people, other human beings who were men and women of God had that happen. Where everything was taken from them, their property was taken from them, their lives were taken from them. And you know what? They remained faithful to their last breath. Go back and take a look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 is a beautiful example. Hebrews chapter 11 as well. That was written for our instruction, brethren, upon whom the end of the ages has come. I don't know about you, but I like looking at what God says. Now look at these guys. Remember this guy. Look at how he did it. That's what we're doing here in the next few weeks. Now, the Greek word there, as I put it down there, it's like, what, what does that mean? It's actually two words. The word hupo means to, to place oneself underneath. What are you placing yourself underneath? Actually, you're placing yourself underneath the will of God, and the will of God might be, I am going to press you a little bit so you know just how powerful you are in the spirit if you walk by faith. No, a lot of people don't believe that. How many have ever had a coach before that said, hey, no, I want you to go out and I want you to do this, whatever it is. And you're going, coach, are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Coach, you're not talking to me. You're talking to somebody else. No, I'm talking to you. You can do this. Now get out there and do it. I don't know about you, but I've had coaches like that. Tremendous coaches like that. I had a wrestling coach, by the way, in 6th and 7th grade that says I was going to be an Olympic champion. <laughs> Shut up already. Well, that was, that was not encouraging. Wow. Don't smile. That's not funny. <laughs> you know, this coach, this coach was three-time national champion, went to the Olympics. Phenomenal coach. And he was the one that kind of pioneered the concept of going down and get the little kitties. Kids, children, not kitties. Get the little ones and, and start training them early. And I was in the right place at the right time. My brother was a, a wrestler at the high school in South Tahoe. And uh, he was looking to go through those guys. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I ended up wrestling my second year with him. I was wrestling with... Because I was kind of a big kid, even though I was little, wrestling on the, on the, with a the freshman. It's pretty exciting after two years. So I believe that guy. My mom and dad decided to move to Montana. Great, thanks a lot. I asked the coach if he would go. He decided it wasn't a good idea. The reality is this, is that we need to recognize that it is possible in Christ Jesus to submit ourselves to the testing that he would allow and we in Christ Jesus by faith are able. That's the key. In Christ Jesus by faith, you and I are able to endure whatever comes. Now you may not believe that and that's the problem. That's the problem. Did you catch that? That's the problem. You can endure. Brethren, it's so important that we recognize that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to come alongside and be encouragers. Not like Job's wife. She was anything but an encourager. Talk about a helpmate. Curse God and die? Come on. We need to be those who will come along and be helpful because when someone chooses to undergo what God would allow, the word meno means to remain or to stay in a given state place, or relation. I don't know about you, but I've experienced the crush before. Scared to death, I lost my job, not knowing how to provide for my family. And the amazing thing is, the miraculous thing is, is he provided a job not only to equal and better my income, but also that I might have insurance to get a surgery that I could not afford with my other line of work. A surgery, by the way, that I found out, if I didn't get it, could have been fatal. Thank you very much, Lord, that you opened that door of opportunity. I didn't see it at the time, but I was willing to push through. 
The last thing here is a, is, a, is a definition of Job's character. And I want you to someday grab a Thayer's Dictionary and look up this statement of endurance about Job. Thayer's picked it up. Oh, Job is the poster child for endurance. We must put him in our book. Here's what he says. The character of this man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to God and godliness even during the greatest trials and sufferings. I don't know about you, but we're going to take a look at his trials and sufferings. Absolutely over the top, decimated. The only thing that wasn't taken from him was his life and his wife. Okay? That's the only thing that wasn't taken from him. So we need to recognize that this guy had it all taken from him except for his life and his wife. By the way, it doesn't say he kicked his wife out. Man, this guy's an awesome guy. Okay? And he remained faithful to the end. Let's take a look. Point number three. We want to take a look at that right now. Notice the character of Job is out of this world amazing, even in the crush. Even in the crush. Let's go back to Job. Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2, he explains that he had a set character, and even when he was uh, been, been crushed by the devil and losing everything, that he still kept his integrity. It says there in chapter 2 and verse 3, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, blameless and upright, a man fearing God and turning away from evil. The word blameless there means that he consistently lived in accordance with God's word and his character. When the guy said he was going to do something, he did it. There was no room for someone to say, you know what, that guy's coming up short and here's where it's at. Blameless means above reproach. You can't get your hands on that guy. There's nothing to grab to show that he's done something wrong. Now, when it says the next one there, it says he was upright, literally meaning he walked in the ways of the Lord just as Noah walked with God. That's how that word upright. And then a man fearing God. You know, we've talked about this before. Old Testament describes, defines the fear of God. The fear of God, number one, is to hate evil. And number two, to love God and follow his word or obey his word. That's what the fear of God is. Hate evil, love God, and follow his word. Now, can you hate evil? If you don't hate evil, guess what's going to happen? Evil is going to find you. That's just how that works. If you don't hate it, it'll find you. And then, where's the love of God? The love of God. Remember what Jesus said? If you love me, you will. Thank you very much. And that's not because you have to. It's because you love him for what he's done for you. It's relational. Okay? So... If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll follow through with a heart of devotion. That's what he's talking about. And you'll listen to what I say and you'll follow through. That's the kind of man this guy was. And then finally, and he still holds fast to his integrity. The word integrity means flawless. He did not falter. He remained steadfast. Oftentimes, I've seen in my life people who quit when it got really, really difficult. And they just gave up, walked out. Obviously not a man or a woman of integrity. So important for us to be those people. But now let's take a look at the trials to really see how great this man was. And I want you to look at them from a different perspective. I have test number one, test number two, test number three. I know you hate tests. I do too. That's why I couldn't get out of school fast enough. Why did I decide to be a teacher and have to get a master's degree? That was dumb. And so I hated tests. 
But these five tests basically stripped Job of everything. Take a look. These tests could be in our lives. Look at the first test, verse 13. And on that day, his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine and their oldest brother's house. A messenger came and said to Job, the oxen who are plowing and the, and the donkeys feeding beside them. Uh, and they were attacked and all of the, all of the servants were, were killed. When you take a look at that test, you know what that test is? Your means of production and commerce are stolen from you and anyone who can help you are killed. Now, let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, you're a computer programmer and you get in a car wreck and something happens and all of a sudden you can't use your hands. And you bumped your head and, and the, the CPU, the central processing unit, isn't working quite the way it used to work, this one up here. Your ability to provide for your family is gone. Let's say, for example, you, you are, do physical labor and you break your back, you now, once again, have lost your ability to work, to do the job. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's what happened to Job. This guy ran sheep, and the oxen were to provide food for the sheep during the year. Well, take a look at the next thing that gets stolen. His source of income gets stolen. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants. So now does he not only have sheep, but those who were his shepherds are all gone. Now he's really in trouble. His career is over. His ability to make wealth is done. He has nothing. He can't pay the mortgage. All of his bills are coming due. Oh, and by the way, you know all those wonderful uh, beasts of burden that are used for travel and transportation? They're all stolen as well. You don't have anything. The last test is, I think, the toughest test outside of his health. All of his children are killed. Now, I don't know about you, but you can take my house and you can take my stuff and you can, you know cut my tongue out so I can't speak, that would be terrible. Well, for me, maybe not for you. You may go, yeah, okay. But my kids, that drive me nuts. Drive me nuts. Don't take my kids. There was a, a man out in the Alvador area just recently. And last night, Sharon heard a big bump. So I've decided to carry in the house because this guy was doing some pretty nasty, heinous stuff. You're saying, oh, you come in to hurt my family. That's how precious they are to me. But what if they were taken? God knew that I couldn't handle having girls. He knew that. Desi one time was at her house, which was what? A couple miles away. And she was home by herself. And was it two guys? Two or three guys? Some were banging on the door, looking in the windows. I didn't hesitate. I grabbed my sword, a.k.a. Glock 23, jumped in my car. I had shorts on <laughs> and kind of flip-flop stuff, man. It was going down. I drove over like a madman. If they would have been in that house, they probably would have exited that house in body bags. Why? Because she's like a daughter to me. Don't mess with my daughters. Now, God knew I couldn't handle daughters, so I had three boys. We need to recognize and understand that, I think, is the worst test outside of your own health. But then, 
I don't know about you. Have you ever really studied what this was like? The boils were just massive all over and they were so excruciatingly painful. How many of you ever had a rash like that? It just can't stop scratching and then it makes it worse. Anybody ever have a rash like that? It's horrible. That day I climbed through the, the poison oak was a, kind of a similar situation. It drove me nuts all over my body. He was scraping that stuff off. That just grosses me out, man. This guy was in excruciating pain. He was so messed up, his friends didn't recognize him, right? That's what the scriptures say. He was in excruciating pain. Everything was taken from him, and he did not break ranks in his faithfulness. So notice, I don't know what the future holds. Hopefully there's no boils in your future, right? And all the kids remain. But we don't know that, do we? We need to be prepared. My nephew, Stephen, passed away from COVID in four days. He was the strongest one in the family. It's weird because it seems it's taken some pretty strong people just very quickly. My brother's family depended on him a lot. As much as he loved my brother and my sister, he had never been immersed. You don't know. I pray for my brother and sister-in-law. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. We don't know. We need to be men and women of character. We need to be men and women who put God first. Because if your hope is in this world, it can be taken from you. And then where is your hope? Where is your strength? Where is your faith? It has to be in God. We need to be men and women of integrity up front. God needs to be first right now. His word needs to be the standard of our lives right now. We need to practice it so much so that if Satan does come before the Lord says, hey, I've just been roaming around kind of bored, no challenges at all. Hey, have you checked out my guy Bill? He's a man who's blameless, a man who's upright, a man who fears God, a man who will reject evil, and he'll stay as a man of integrity. That's what I want, but I just can't go, okay, God, that's what I want, and it happens. I have to work for it. I have to commit myself each day to be that man of integrity, to memorize scriptures like, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes the crooked path will be found out. And you know what? When the trials come, that's when they're found out. Amen? And you're saying, wow. It's getting a little wild. No. If you read the scriptures, you know how diabolical the devil is. And if you've been seeing how this crazy, nonsensical world is going... Nothing makes sense anymore. It's all chaos, it seems like. And God, as the Bible says, is the, or excuse me, Satan, as the Bible says, is the God of chaos. Christ is the God of peace. Brother, my prayer is this, is that you will decide to focus on the man that Job was. Because he's the poster child for endurance. And he's a poster child of endurance because he is a man after God's own heart. He's a man like Noah, a man like Daniel. He's really honestly a man like Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Job is home now because he remained faithful. My prayer is that you'll want to get home too.
And here, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, endurance is so critically important as we finish this year's theme of perseverance. I pray, Father, we'll set ourselves up for next year's theme, the power of trust and being trustworthy. I pray, Father, that you would help us to realize to persevere, we need to trust each other. But to persevere is something that we must choose ourselves. And if we are men and women of integrity, blameless, upright, fearing you, putting you first, refusing evil, then we will be men and women who can be trusted. We will be men and women who will remain steadfast. Father, I pray that you'll help us to grow so that no matter what comes as a family, as a local fellowship, Father, we will commit ourselves to building each other up, Father, so that we might persevere. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.